You may be seated. I have two passages that fit so well with every song we just got through singing about. I want to encourage you with it. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Second Psalm, Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I look to the, up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so I want this, these two passages to drive uh, our prayers in time of uncertainty. And Psalm 20, verse 7, you can pick one or the other for this prayer time. Uh, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Well, that was what was important to them and, and carried them. But what would you, how would you fill in the blank? Some trust in, others trust in, but we're making up our mind this morning that we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So that may be the driving verse for you in our prayer time. Or Psalm 121, I look to the mountains, does my help come from there? Absolutely not. Where are you looking for your help and your hope and your uh, uh, stability? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So let's spend some time praying just for a moment. Pick one of those verses and use this verse or these verses to drive your prayer time. Just let you kind of marinate on those and then I'll close our time. Father, we've never been guaranteed even our next breath, but there's this last couple of weeks, there just seems to be so much uncertainty wherever we turn and loss. And we all look for stability. We're looking for something that we can put our hope and trust in. Father, I pray that we would not look to other people or to circumstances to find our hope and our security in times of uncertainty. But I pray that our help would come from you. You made the heaven and the earth. You are not at, beside yourself wondering what's going to happen next. You're here. You're available. Father, may we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Thanks for being here. And those of you online, it's good to have you. Thanks for uh, making this a, a priority. I'd like for all of you to find John 21. We are in an amazing story, and we left off with, uh, I'll catch us up real quickly here, knowing that I have to end early, and that's painful for me. <laughs> Very painful. So uh, John 21, I want you to find that passage, and while you uh, in-house find that, those that are online. Let me say a quick word to those of you online. One, thank you for joining us, but I owe you a huge apology, and I want to clean up what I mess up. Last week, we shared communion at the end of our service, and I so should have alerted you ahead of time. Uh, I know we sent out a blast, but that didn't always, you know, sometimes people just delete. I don't understand that, uh, but uh, Anyway, it will never happen again because we want our online services to be as powerful and as impactful, and uh, we believe that the best, uh, you need the best, and so, and again, my apologies. Next time, I'll set you up. If not, I'll hand deliver communion to your house. How about that? So here we are in John 21. Last week, let me just quickly fly over this. You can read this for yourself. Peter has denied Jesus three times, I mean, in a big way. And he had already said, I will never do that. And Jesus is crucified. He's raised from the dead. Jesus appears 
uh, to the disciples uh, a couple of times. And then we see this third time coming up where he appears. And what we see is that Peter is, has gone back to his old lifestyle. He's gone back to, uh, to fishing for fish. And no kidding. I mean, I'm sure, and I don't want to put myself too much in his place but I'm sure he felt guilty. I'm sure he felt awkward. I'm sure he was wearing this, this idea of a three-time uh, denier, betrayer on his chest, and so goes back to the familiar. But before we give him too much of a hard time, everyone in this room and online, we've all denied Christ in some ways. We've ignored him. We've forgotten him. Many of us who are longtime followers of Jesus can fall into being lukewarm in our commitment. And Jesus is just one of many things that we're involved with. And we find ourselves hiding in the familiarity, hiding in something that can bring immediate relief. But as we know, uh, at the dawn, verse uh, 4 to 6, you quickly look at that. Jesus is 100 yards off from the shore. They've fished. Peter and his buddies have fished all night and have caught nothing. And 100 yards away, they don't recognize Jesus. Jesus says, have you caught anything? No, we haven't. Throw your nets on the other side. And they bring in 153 large fish, which is reminiscent of three years ago when Peter was called. So there's kind of a light going off. And here's where we, where we closed last week. We are never far from restoration when we permit Jesus to give the orders. And we're usually closer to restoration than we realize. When we fall short and we know it and we have not been following Jesus, our tendency, if we're not careful, is to think we have to earn our way back into right keeping. But what we, deserve, what we see here is that they catch all these fish. And in verse 12, Jesus says, hey, come on in, have some breakfast. And he served them bread and fish. Jesus wasn't there to interrogate Peter. He was there to initiate re-engagement. He invites them to breakfast on the beach. They show up and there is fish and Eileen's cookies waiting for them. Anytime Eileen's cookies are served, it's going to be a good day. And Jesus offers that which is important to them. And, and in particular, he knows that Peter is struggling with going, oh, I blew it, I blew it, I blew it. But we ended, this week, ended last week with this. Jesus is inviting you to Eileen's. He's inviting you to breakfast. Because restoration is closer than you think. In fact, Warren Weir says it, it, it's, it's the, the difference is the width of the boat, which on one side is doing it on your own, and the other side, casting it on the other side, is listening and obeying Jesus. He's not through with you. So after the meal, Jesus has some kind words for Peter. We probably think that this was said in, in between the two of them, but somehow John heard it, so I'm not sure exactly how this all played out, but John hears it and he records it in verse 15. So here we are. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Jesus told him uh, and reported the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. And Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. Verse 17, a third time, 
He's asking, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Jesus asks one question three different ways. Do you love me more than? And everyone who's listening today, we've all denied Christ in one way, and he simply just calls us back in, into restoration with him. And he says, do you love me more than? And you have to fill in the blank. Do you love me more than whatever has caused you to become lukewarm in your relationship with, with God? Do you love me more than control? Do you, I don't need to fill in the blank. We all, everyone here, when I say, when God says, do you love me more than, and you fill in the blank, it's easy for us to fill that in. And he's, what I want you to know, as we look at this, Jesus was telling Peter he wasn't finished with him. He gives him this simple command, feed my sheep. He gives him a simple command, nothing more, nothing less, because those who are desperate, those who are hungry, those who are oppressed, those who are in pain, no rescue can come soon enough. And he's asking Peter to step in and care about the people around him. Peter, Jesus was telling Peter that he wasn't finished with him. Can you imagine being guilt-ridden and, 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 and whatever kind of emotion you may have when you come under conviction and realize I've just not given God my all and he's become second or tertiary in my life and he's not leading my life and he's just an afterthought or he's in the Jesus, in the Jesus room as we call it sometimes. Sunday we bring him out and go, let him come to church with us and then we go home and say, no, Jesus, go to your room and stay there and I'll come get you when I need you. And Jesus is saying, no, there's more to relationship with me than just using me. Jesus is going to call Peter. Now, listen, let me just quickly fly over a couple of things that Peter's going to, have, have, going to happen after, po, after denial. So this is post-denial. Peter's going to be the rock on which the church stands before he was filled with the Spirit, before Pentecost, he denied Jesus. But after Pentecost, which is about to happen when the Holy Spirit comes and, in, and fills them up, he's going to stand before the, the people and they're going to say, Peter, quit talking about Jesus. And in Acts 5, 29, he says, we must obey God rather than man. He's dramatically changed. This is post-betrayal. Little did he know, just a little later in Acts 2, verse 14 and following, he's going to speak and 3,000 people come to know Jesus post-resurrection. And you say, good for Peter. Here's what I want to say. Jesus was not through with Peter, and he's not through with you either. We have an opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I love you more than, and whatever it is, good things, bad things, God, I love you more than these things. For 2,000 years, through every century and every generation, there have been fields full of people who need to be invested in, who need to be pointed to Jesus. And what, here's my question. What would happen if we started seeing our homes 
our schools, our communities, our places of business as fields where God has placed us. Feed my sheep. Care about those around you. So my prayer has been and will be that New Covenant, in particular you, that you will never, ever underestimate your identity in Christ and Christ's power in you to affect change in someone else's life. Jesus called us to feed those where he has us. And sure, there are consequences to Peter's denial. We're still talking about it 2,000 years later. But we're talking more about post-denial than pre-denial. Jesus focuses on restoration. And so whatever excuse we may bring, say, well, I'm damaged goods, I've messed up so much, or I've been victimized, and I'm not downplaying either one, but what I want you to know is that is not your identity. You are a child of God, and because you're a child of God, you've been called to invest in where God has you. You are a, a family. You are a daughter. You are a son of the Most High God. You are heir to the kingdom. He invites you to the beach for breakfast and then says, Now go and take care of the people where I have you. Feed my sheep. I love this from Louis Giglio. He said, The enemy wants to define you by your scars. Jesus wants to define you by his scars. Because we're a child of God. We're brand new. Because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus said in Luke 10 too, The harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest. Your place today is your kingdom assignment today. That is the takeaway if anything. Your place where God has you exactly right now is your kingdom assignment today. Wherever he has you. In Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard said this, We must accept the circumstances we constantly find ourselves in as the place of God's kingdom and blessing. God has yet to bless anyone except where they actually are. And we get to be blessed by God. We get invited to breakfast with him, in relationship with him, and we're invited to be that blessing to others around us. There's another saying from uh, Annie Dillard says, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. So here's what I want to leave with you. Don't underestimate the significance of where God has you today. Don't underestimate it. God wants to start here and now. He's not looking for extraordinary people. He's just looking for people who are available who will cast the net on the other side and say, God, I love you more than these. Now, how may I bless? How may I influence? How may I come along? How, how may I serve those around me? Last, set your focus not on what you can't do, but on who God is and what he wants to do in and through you. So, the response is invest where I am. That's what I'm asking you to do. That's what Jesus is asking you to do. Invest where you are. Do you love me? 
then feed the people around you. Do you, ve- do you love me? Then invest where I have you as a student, as a college student, as a post-school person. Wherever God has you that you would invest. Here I am. Invest where I am. I'd like for you to, uh, to take, if you're looking for a, an opportunity to uh, do some reading and you don't already have a scripture uh, that you're running along to, uh, our Bible reading for this week is, is called Chosen by Christine Kane. It is a powerful reading. You, if you're looking for it, it's on version, and that would be a great way for you to continue to realize in the plan that God has chosen you, he's redeemed you for a purpose. The last thing I would like to say is I just want to thank you for your, uh, your generosity and your giving online and here at, at New Cov. It matters, and I do realize that with mass mandates, that tendency to change things. We get out of, the, out of the routine of giving or having to give online. It matters. And, in fact, this week, this was such an exciting thing, this week, uh, we were uh, made aware of a family that's struggling with some medical bills, and we were able to give generously to, to them. And the reason why is because you're generous. And so your generosity makes a difference. Don't underestimate uh, the power of giving. And so as we sing our next song, it's an opportunity for you to give, for you to pray, and to communicate with God. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would continue to use New Cove to feed the people around us. Father, I pray that I will be very careful with, with making sure there's margins so that in my neighborhood, the people that come across my pathway or those that I come into contact with through New Cove, God, I pray that I would not uh, walk in backing out. God, I pray that I would be there realizing this is a God assignment where you have me. And may I start that at home and let it uh, seep out from there. Father, thank you for New Cove. I pray that you would protect New Cove, that we would be busy about the things that matter and focusing on you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.